Hello, this is Daniel Patrick Brennan. This is the Wine is Food podcast. Uh, I believe episode seven. I'm here with Hayden Penny. Hello, Hayden. Hello. How you doing? Um, as you can see, Hayden, I have no notes here. <laughs> uh, mostly because there's some things I know uh, pretty well about you. And, there, and then I, as I was uh, preparing for this, I realized I don't really know anything about your background or anything. I know where you work now and uh, a, a few places that you've worked before. Uh, but I don't really know that much about your history, except for maybe a handful of things. But uh, like I said, this is my seventh one. And I think the theme that's been so far, um, because I've talked to mostly young young winemakers, I've talked to one research guy, but it seems like the winemakers, you know, in asking them where their story is or where, how they started getting into wine, it I don't know if it's necessarily an epiphany, but there's definitely a point where it was like, and I think that's one of the big questions that I'm coming with in this sort of first series of podcasts is how did you get into this? What's your story? Um, and then, you know, maybe next year we'll talk to you again and see where you're at with things and people can go back and listen to this one. So, um, yeah, well, I, I asked you on the little sound test, where were you born? Uh, in Thames. And where's that? Uh, close to the Coromandel. Okay. Yeah, oh. so I actually lived in Pyro, which is uh, a pretty small place where the lemon and Pyro bottle is. L&P. Uh, L&P, that's the one. Uh, famous in New Zealand and maybe... Only in New Zealand. Only in New Zealand. <laughs> 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 um, so Coromandel is, uh, for people who are looking at a map up near sort of what is it? west of Auckland I'm sorry east of Auckland no, no yeah, it's yeah. kind of like it's south east kind of you come down the peninsula from Auckland yeah so um the closest place probably Waihee um to Pyro it's just through the through the gorge mm-hmm. um but yeah grew up there um moved to Hawke's Bay when I was about eight or nine oh, okay I think yeah so um my father came up to work at the Waddies factory up here after the dairy factory and and Pyro shut down. Wadi is so. another uh, famous New Zealand product. It's oh, basically yeah. like the Heinz of, uh, of of New Zealand, but certainly yeah, well, Heinz owns it now. I think yeah, so it's certainly the Heinz. Certainly, of New yeah, a lot of soup and ketchup and all that tomato yeah. sauce. Yeah, tomato sauce. Tomato sir. sauce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, go on. So yeah, so I came up here and then uh, went through my schooling here in Hawke's Bay. Um, once finished school, I went down to university in Dunedin, mm-hmm. um, tried to get into physiotherapy down there and it basically epically failed, <laughs> <laughs> lived the student life without going to university basically. Yeah. Um, and then, but did play, um, a lot of rugby down there, which led to, uh, a bit of travel with a few contracts overseas and went played in Scotland for a season and then, uh, Came back, but the I first got into the viticulture when during those days at um, at Otago when I met a friend of mine, Bryce Edmonds, who you know. Oh yeah. And okay. um, his family owns Leslie's Vineyard around the corner, and they were developing that block at the time. So I was spending my holidays and Christmas times helping them out and doing everything from ramming posts to putting wires out to planting vines and <coughs> excuse me. And that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and then I was just at a bit of a lost end, really. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I did a bit more traveling, went to Australia and ended up working on a table grape vineyard. Oh, okay. 
and um, yeah, just got really interested through those two avenues in viticulture mainly. And in 2003, went back to school here in Hawke's Bay at EIT. And after seeing that the, the degree in viticulture and the degree in winemaking was only an extra year, I decided to, um, to take on them both. And during the four years that I was there, I sort of, the more I learned about wine, the more I swung sort of to the wine side of things. Okay. So, um, yeah, when I left, I was really unsure about which way I wanted to go, whether it was viticulture or wine. And uh, in the end, I've managed to get a job that's both. So it's um, perfect, really. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of funny how it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, a similar thing because when I was there, the viticulture department was sort of falling apart. It's, it's definitely back now with a couple couple guys that have done a good job. But I came in as viticulture and ended up switching. Yeah. But uh, I really couldn't afford to do the fourth year <laughs> with the uh, – you know, international fees, and I uh, needed to start start working. So anyway, uh, oh, that's cool. I yeah. didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize you. I think maybe I knew you went to IT, but I guess I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I graduated there in two thousand six. Um, while I was studying, I started working at Tiawa with Ginny mm-hmm. Dobson, who um, really took me under her wing and started teaching me about wine and about winemaking and. Um, once I graduated, she offered me the assistant winemaker job there with her, which was awesome. Did a full year um, doing the 2007 vintage with her. And then... Good uh, year to do it. Yeah, really good <laughs> year. Really good year. Um, yeah, and then finished up um, there and decided, got the itchy feed and decided to get travelling. Mm-hmm. So um, sort of started out and over the next three years just followed harvests around the world. Um so I must have missed you by literally months at yeah. Tiawa, like because I started there in like February or something of 2008. So right, yeah, so I finished and well, I went to the <coughs> States to do harvest, so sort of August, September, sometime around there, 2007, mm. I finished up there. Went to California. You left at a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, was, did you see any of the writing on the walls then, or was it? Um, oh, it was certainly turning a little bit pear shaped. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was I was meant to go back there for the two thousand and eight vintage, mm-hmm. and um, because when I left, I didn't sort of leave leave. I was um on yeah, unpaid true. unpaid leave with the you know idea of coming back for the following vintage, but then while. After the states, I went to Australia for a harvest, and while I was in Australia, I got the phone call about yeah. everything had turned over, and uh, no longer had a job to come back to. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite—it was a blessing in disguise, really. I um, think for everybody, it was. Yeah. 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 So um, really enjoyed my time there, but but the time was—it's mm-hmm. time to move on. So yeah, just carried on traveling, mixing it up. And where what? Uh well, let's go through it, man. That's why we're here. What, where, what countries? Where were you going? Australia. You okay, start, started in California. So I worked for a little family vineyard over there called Fishers. Uh-huh. Um, we had a vineyard in uh, Napa and the vineyard and winery in Sonoma. Okay. So that was really interesting. It was almost like working two separate vintages mm. with, the, with a different fruit. Um, then went to uh, the Yarra Valley in Australia. Did a harvest there with Yarraburn, who uh, mainly made bubbles with mm-hmm. a little bit of other bits and pieces um and then is that mostly cool area there or? yeah yeah cool for australia yeah, it's still it's pretty warm um 
but yeah, definitely cool. And ninety percent of what we were doing was juicing MC base. So and then that all went to the because it was a Constellation winery, and then it was going to their their big um, facility. MC base, you got to explain that to me. Oh, method. So yeah, yeah bubble space, yeah. bubble space. Because yeah. I get I get yeah. emails saying. Where can we find out about what that guy was talking about? And stuff? So <laughs> okay. I try to stop uh, once in a while and let people know. Um, so metho- method. Uh, now, uh, sorry to stop you there. So you no, no. were then you were there for one harvest and um, the, yeah, just there for the vintage, and then I went down to Villa Maria down in um, Marlborough mm-hmm. and uh, did a shift supervisor's role down there, which was a bit of an eye opener. Yeah. Um, just a, a massive facility. Um, just volumes of grapes that I'd never seen before and totally the, the slab blew my mind. as they call it. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it was it was pretty crazy times, but an awesome, awesome time down there. You know, it's um, for the volumes that they push through, they make some pretty smart wines. and they, uh, Yeah, I think everybody, as far as Villa goes, I have my hang-ups about some of the other big dogs. Mm-hmm. Um particularly you know and we can be honest on this one i particularly have some issues with delegates and uh though i'm sure i'll talk to somebody from there at some point and they can plead their case to me but yeah. i'm at a point now where i'm just like you know fuck oyster Bay. yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh you know they do have a really good business model i guess and you know yeah. there's uh you know they focus on what three varietals four varietals i guess and hit that price point blah 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 mm-hmm. but Oh, they do good things for yeah. for the New Zealand industry as well. I think you know they uh, they have got New Zealand wine into export markets that without it we couldn't have got into. Yeah, and so I think that all comes in with the like I said, the business plan of what they're yeah. doing is really real sharp, and yeah. they're taking on and growing. And uh, but you know, I guess you got to pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. as you know, as far as that goes, um, you know, Villa from everybody I talked to, even from vineyards. And I worked at Vital, which was a villa company, and uh, did my research through school with a villa vineyard at the Joseph Solar Block. And I could just sense they kind of go the the extra mile for a big company, and it is still family-owned. And Whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of the bigger ones are corporate-owned or mostly Mm -hmm. corporate-owned. And uh, yeah, I... had a look down at that winery when my folks were in town we went down to uh the marlboro facility and you know even was just received well by the people up front there and just you know it was pretty nice and uh yeah it's sort of good to see with a bigger company that uh, yeah they are still doing single vineyard stuff they you know they're focused on on quality and a wide range of things so uh and it teaches you as a winemaker sort of learning your trade it teaches you a lot about um, efficiency and a lot about logistical sort of winemaking yep. where uh, just the sheer volumes are, are just mind-boggling. Hmm. Um, some of their tanks down there from my vintage this year would, uh, we did 35 tonnes, so about sort of 250,000 litres. Um, oh, 25,000 litres, sorry, and they had 255,000 litre tanks. <laughs> You know, so ten vintages would of mine now would fit into one of one their of tanks, their tanks. <laughs> <laughs> and they had you know twelve or fifteen of those plus yeah. thirty or one hundred and fifty five thousand liter tanks. And, and they built that last time I was there. They built I don't know what it was like when you were there, but they were like expanding, and they've built that winery so they can just keep expanding. Yeah. Basically, like the yeah. walls are removable. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty crazy. Seeing the big ten year plan for them, it's it's you know it's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, and I, I've heard, well, I know they, they just uh, got a good deal in the States with uh, Domain St. Michelle's going to be sort of distributing with them and everything, so it'll be good to see more Villa wines out there. In fact, I think I already have. When I was my last trip, I saw some yeah. Giblet Gravels Reds and stuff like that, which is yeah. cool to see out there. Um, you know, I think in a good representation of, of what, uh, or, you know, one one very good representation of what New Zealand can do. So, yeah. Uh, so one harvest there and then um, yeah the, just the harvest there um, both of the last two I actually came back to winery wise but um, first I went over to um, did some travelling uh, through South America and then went to Spain and did a harvest um, in a place called Toro it's about 200 k's north bull, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 200 k's north west of Madrid up by the uh, Portuguese border so that was um, that was pretty crazy over there. And uh, what were the varietals they were working with there? Um, what were we doing? We did a little bit of things like Cabernet and, and Merlot and things, but mainly Tempranillo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they call each individual zone a different kind of wine, but we, you know, they're all the same variety. All basically really. Tempranillo. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. was so crazy about it? What was uh, well, just the, there was no English spoken. Um, I'd learned a little bit of Spanish. Uh, in the states working with the mexican guys and then traveling through south america but and i thought i knew how yeah, to speak spanish and then turned up there and realized that i didn't know shit. yeah so <laughs> yeah it was, it was pretty it was pretty good um, but made some really nice wines met some awesome people um what was the culture there like is it uh um pretty, pretty conservative like the town i lived in um i was uh one of the very few tourists that they would see all year Mm. and the fact that i actually lived there was quite they found it quite they were quite suspicious i suppose to start (laughs) with you know okay um but once they sort of got to know who you were and what you're about and why you were in town then um then they're really good you know by the end of it i'd have the kids on the street yelling out and coming out onto the balcony and they're calling me down to play soccer with them and yeah you know, it was it was a really <laughs> cool experience. Yeah, that's it, great. It was, it was really good. Um, so then you did a bit more travel after that, and then uh, we went back to Australia, back to the same place in the Yarra. Um, and that was in 2009, which was the year of the Victorian bushfires. Uh, so that vintage was basically a write-off. Mm. Um, the day that the fire started, I remember it was 52 degrees and blowing a gale when... Uh, 52 52 degrees so that's uh well that's 110 or something yeah it's crazy i remember it is in fahrenheit yeah yeah but it was hot yeah that's hot either way yeah there was only a few of us at work that day and we got stuck at work and um a lot of the guys in the surrounding houses got stuck in their houses um a lot of people got evacuated and um, a couple, a Spanish girl and a Chilean girl actually ended up in some hick town miles away after having to take all the detours and yeah, so it and was... And just stuck there? Yeah, they just they got stuck there for about two days, I think, before mm. the roads opened up so they could get back. Um, really, really crazy time, <laughs> crazy yeah. vintage experience and we spent the rest of the, um, of the vintage trying to deal with smoke taint and yeah, um, yeah rejecting thousands and thousands and thousands of litres of wine due to smoke taint and yeah pretty crazy time 
um, and then went back to Villa again, and I did the night shift winemaking job there for for the 2009 season. Um, again, also good time. The good thing about big wineries is there's so many people, you know, yeah, from so yeah. many different cultures around the world that you always meet great people and you always have good time and pretty social and they sort of embrace that social side of things at, at Villa as well, so it's quite good. Hmm. And then uh, I went back to Europe and went to Bulgaria, which was... Oh, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I knew there was a weird one in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did a consultancy role in the in the south of Bulgaria, right down by the Turkish border there, um, working for a concert pianist who was based in London but um, was Bulgarian. And that was really cool, really interesting, um, probably the hardest place to work I've ever worked just due to the culture and due to the uh, the social setup, I guess. So he um, owned the place? and then He owned the place, yep. And um, he sort of markets and distributes it in the UK. Um, so he's quite a big name or something? Or? He is. He's reasonably well known. Ivo Varbanov is mm. his name. Um, he's reasonably well known. I mean, known you'd have to be to like pull, to pull off selling Bulgarian wine. I mean, London, yeah. uh, England's great wine market, but still, it's like yeah, takes some balls tiny, tiny that. production. Like I, d I think we did fifteen tons mm -hmm. um, the year that I was there, and I, I also made fifteen tons worth for another another guy. Um, but yeah, that was an experience of a lifetime for sure. Um, you made some really nice wines, actually. Um, they've done reasonably well since being bottled and things. So um, I'm actually. And what, what kind of wines were those? Um, Chardonnay um, has done really well. Um, there's a, na a native grape called Mavrut, which was um, blended with Merlot and Cabernet and made quite a nice wine. It's being served at a few Michelin star restaurants in London now, which cool. is quite cool. And uh, Syrah and Cabernet. So. I mean, I've. Uh, that sounds like there's some heat there, but I. Yeah, don't it's really the, the climate's probably. I mean, I guess if it's near Turkey. It's got to be hot. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably something. It's certainly hotter than Hawke's Bay, but it's not as hot as say the Barossa. Yeah. So, so something in between. Still quite cool nights. They get quite a lot of frosts in spring and okay. things like that. So, um, but just a really good year. The '09 vintage was a really good, good now season. Now there, uh, when you were there sort of going through the EU because uh, I just spoke to a Romanian guy uh, yep. a few weeks ago about how you know there's sort of a rich culture of you know of uh, wine making there but it's sort of ancient and it was basically all consumed within the country and yep. then they've sort of very much benefited from EU status but you know having to you know dot their I's and cross their T's and you know in order to be you know because they're now regulated by the EU but yeah uh, it seems like a lot very of loosely regulated. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. uh, another Eastern European wine producer that has probably benefited from the expansion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's a very it's an ancient wine growing region over there. You yeah. know, it's there in Moldova where, you know, those are the regions that supplied the old Russian czars and things like that with their wine, and they mm. were considered to be really big, um, great growing regions, and then with the communism they sort of over exploited that and planted up a lot of ground and and uh, turned it into factory sort of style winemaking and um, which was fine during that sort of time but then with the fall of communism they all, all the vineyards just got walked away from 
basically. Mm. So they did get gifted back to the local people. So each household got X number of rows in the local vineyard sort of thing. But 90% of them don't want anything to do yeah. with it. So yeah. some of the vineyards are, are pretty scary. But um, the guy who I was working for um, was very much up with New World thinking and uh, it was all really nicely trellised and organic and biodynamic principles. Um, so really well run and really tidy vineyards and yeah cool. it's really good make made making some really nice wine out of there so cool um that was 2010 that was the end of 2009 okay so then i went back again to the yarra valley for one more vintage there um and that was probably the best vintage that i was there um quality wise mm -hmm. um so I had a really good really good vintage there in 2010 and then when I got back from there I was sort of making noises about going back to Europe and then was offered the job that I currently have so in June 2010 I started with Murdoch yeah which is when I met you if I hadn't met yeah. you sooner but I'm pretty sure that was when I met you yeah and uh so the tie-in with uh Hayden and I is uh Jenny Dobson from Tiawa who uh Met, just like Hayden met Jenny uh, while I was at EIT, sort of hung around while I was working at Vital. And then there was actually that year, uh, Chris Reed, who's been interviewed on this as well. It's all tied in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were sort of back and forth, uh, you know, working uh, from the summertime, all you know, in the vineyard, uh, helping Chris out. Mm -hmm. um, What's Chris's last name again? Chris Henry. Chris Henry, that's right. Who is uh, quite the organics man. Yeah. Uh, organics yeah. farmer. And uh, well, why don't we start there? He basically, this uh, vineyard, which is set in the sort of hidden back in the Giblet Gravels, uh, off the beaten path a little bit, but certainly an awesome site, uh, have been taken, you know, with, as I understood it, and you know, we don't have to go into it. I don't know that people even care that much, but basically it was an ownership mix, you know, a little bit of a dispute. And then when it was all settled, um, Brett Murdoch ended up with it, which is good because he's probably the guy who wanted it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was one of the partners in, in it, yeah. in the conception. So he was involved with the planning and things right at the start. So he right away t said, I want this to be an organic vineyard and yep. I want Chris it's Henry to take it over? Um, no, well, he, he converted it straight away. As soon as he got the paperwork through to say he was now the owner of the vineyard, he um, he just put his foot down and said, it's going to be organic from this day onwards. Mm -hmm. um, Chris was at the time working at the Joseph Solar vineyard, okay. which is the Villa Organic Block, which is our neighbour, mm -hmm. and um, he just was curious, I guess, and Chris came over and just asked him what he was up to and where, where he was going and what his plans were, and um, they decided to take Chris on to look after the vineyard over its conversion, so um, Brett, being based in Auckland, couldn't be down here all the time, and Chris had a really strong um, background in organics yeah um, from what he's from all kinds of farming right Not yeah just grape yeah. growing grape yeah. growing sort of only a recent thing really for him he was growing um, citrus and things uh, for a long time organically so mm -hmm. really good knowledge of organics and farming in general so yeah he came over um, and and just helped Brett through the conversion phase now, of it as you understand it um, I mean one of the only things that I really know 
is the added, as far as the difference between organic, certified organic in New Zealand as opposed to certified organic in the States or maybe elsewhere is the addition of um, uh, SO2 yeah. in the wine or, or I, I don't know about which stage, but um, outside of that, there's probably pretty similar. Um, but, uh, you know, with your experience, what would you say, how would you define organic wine growing and... and, and or separate it from, say, traditional or what we call conventional is what we call not traditional. Yeah. Traditional is <laughs> probably organic. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would I differentiate it? Um, well, what don't you use and what? Oh, okay. So in, in the vineyard, um, we only use compost and seaweed as far as plant stimulants go. Mm-hmm. So compost on the ground and seaweed on the vine so no um, synthetic or hard chemical fertilizers which is um, quite unusual especially for the gravels where mm-hmm. people tend to rely on those kind of things for for nutrition um, in the winery it's um, no DAP so no no nitrogen additions um, you can use yeast although we try not to mm-hmm. and this year in fact we didn't use any um, and there, there's in certified organic, you still can use quite a few different um, nutrients, if you like, in winemaking or, or additives in winemaking. But um, I always um, try and use nothing. So I, yep. I like it Just to be... Just wild ferment and... Yep, wild ferment, um, extended maceration, press it off. Um, we do inoculate for malolactic fermentation at the moment, um, but that's something that as our natural numbers grow, I'd like to try and... Um, cut out as yeah. well. I th- it's got to yeah. be challenging as well with the the way the wine your winery is too, being to ch- control temperature and things like that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So we, we've got our you know we've come up with a few systems and things that work, but it's um, yeah, it's uninsulated, so it sort of can get quite cold and things, especially in years like this. Yeah, and then um, if you want to even to try to warm it all up in the spring without having its own sort of MLF. Yeah, seller could be pretty tough to yeah. do at this point. But, yeah, um, looks like there's a little room out there for stuff like that. Yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. Finger, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, we'll uh, see. We'll see how things go over the next couple of years. But yeah, um, yeah. So and we don't use we don't shaptalize, um, you know, add sugar. We don't acidify. It's uh, no, no deacidification and things. So we really, at the end of the day, at bottling time, we want it to be the grapes and a little bit of sulfur just to just to hold it yeah so um yeah i think that's one of the things that can be confusing to people i guess there are certain people with like a histamine or some kind of allergic i don't know why sulfur has been chosen as saying that's not organic but been using sulfur for thousands of years yeah so it's sort of a strange yeah. thing to me i, I don't yeah and then in, in new zealand and recent developments in europe and stuff you you can use it and call it organic wine mm-hmm. um but it's the levels sure i mean low. which is that's yeah. understandable is you know you want to keep it under a certain level yeah. for any winery really but yeah. yeah um certainly uh if you're gonna uh say it's more of a natural product i guess mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I like the idea of, of not using sulfur, mm. but um, I've tasted a few wines that haven't <laughs> had sulfur, t- and it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty hard thing to do. And um, I think for, you know, I don't know, I try to step back from a little bit and look at the big picture of it. If you're not using sulfur, the amount of maybe your carbon footprint or anything 
to not use it, which is maybe you got to use a heck of a lot more gas or refrigeration mm. or everything else just to make up for the addition of maybe, you know, 100 grams or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're sort of, uh, you know, cutting your nose off to spite your face because you're, you know, you're th- it's sort of missing the point. If yeah. I think, if, yeah. uh, if, you know, I know there's a, well, I think Tiawa does the ki- uh, Kidnapper Cliffs or whatever, mm-hmm. and they do... You know, one, I think, I don't know if it has any sulfur in it or what it is, but it, you know, they have f- filled the tank, filled up with argon, and this and that. It's like, gosh, how much money does that yeah. cost and how much? Yeah, and they still we do use sulfur. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, you, you can ima- you know, I got to think it's been pretty pretty tough to make a really good wine without just a bit of sulfur in it. I'm yeah, exactly. Dada 2 or somebody like that does yeah. it as well. Yeah, I think that's the first New Zealand red wine to be bottled unsulfured. Yeah. Um, have you had any of that um no no i haven't had the unsulfured one Mm. um and they they say that they do it by playing with the redox potential through microoxidation yeah so okay so um yeah another expensive machine or something going on yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you know for the sake of a little bit of sulfur exactly crazy um so let's talk about uh now you know when you first took over the place basically had no name you weren't sure we we're going now we have a name a label you yep. know we're gonna bit of direction bit of direction <laughs> yeah. hayden's gonna flex his muscle wine muscles all around the world now oh, and uh yeah. we're gonna uh, i've already i've tasted the wines i knew they were good but now i've heard from you know we had, you had that one nice write-up and then uh that french guy a buddy of mine i don't know if i told you this he sent me a text that just said i don't know i don't know if he sent him samples or he got it somewhere Same else samples, and yeah. he was just like fuck, I tasted William Murdoch wines and they're badass, you know, he's really <laughs> excited. And I said, I wouldn't send you in the wrong direction, buddy, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, regar- I don't know where that's going, but regardless, uh, the, the wines are tasting really good. 09 will be your first releases? Or? The, yeah, they were released um, at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. So, they're what we have for sale at the moment. Um, our tins are now all in bottle. The Cabernet's went to bottle just before vintage, so about March time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, the 09 wines is our last conversion to organics year, so they're not certified organic, but from our 2010 vintage, um, we're all certified. So Cool. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting. And the, the wines have been really well received. Um, they've had some really nice write-ups. Um, Raymond Chan from Wellington, the wine writer, um, I went took our 2010s down for a tasting with him last week and um he was very complimentary about them and they all scored sort of between 18 and 19 out of 20 so um yeah really really happy with how things are going and we're just sort of starting to gain a little bit of traction we've got our first export order going out next month and um where's that going to hong kong and china oh cool great wine market yeah so we had a um it was just a chance encounter he was over looking for new zealand white wines and um stopped in that unison and Jenny was there and he tasted the unison wines and he said like no I'm looking for white wines sort yeah, of thing and, there, yeah. and she said oh you should pop around and see Hayden around the corner and um, so he came in and had a taste and one thing led to another and yeah we should have a, a fairly decent chunk of wine going over there next month so cool. um, yeah really exciting and start of july i'm in uh, london doing some tastings over there trying to um trying to get a uk distributor as well so yeah it's got to be uh well interesting because you're not only like you said he's been a part of a transition 
t- uh, but you're at the inception of a, a label as well, and a, you mm. know, sort of branding something, and and uh, I've watched you guys go through that and come up with the label, and now you're you got to go out there and sell it, and you're the guy behind it, and it's yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, it is cool. I certainly can't claim any of the uh, kudos for the label. I mean, it's a family label that comes yeah, from Brett's yeah. family, and it was his ideas behind um, the general branding i've had input but it's certainly his mm-hmm. his child so it's um yeah but, but, but really there's like different levels right there's like the what are the or the different branding so it's william murdoch wines obviously but william murdoch is our main label we um and in that we have two tiers of wine so we have just the varietal wines the merlot malbec the cab merlot the Syrah, and then we have a top end which at the moment we only have a cabernet but in the future, we Isn't hope to have a name, like the, the guardsman. The guardsman. That's the guardsman. What, that's yep. what I was thinking of. So um, uh, that's sort of our flagship cabernet, um, and in the future, we hope to have a merlot and a syrah that are sort of in the same sort of ballpark as mm-hmm. that one. Cool. And then we do a second label, Station House, which is um, at the moment just a rosé. So we could do a red for that in the future or something, but at the moment, the the wines are making the grade for the William Murdoch yeah, label, yeah. so um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times, that's for sure. Yep. Cool. Well, um, yeah. What next? I guess just you got your, this harvest was you know an interesting harvest, one. Yeah, as I talked to everybody, it yeah. was. It was. It was but quite difficult, but um, um, we've come through with some really nice wines. You know, we took some Merlot and a tiny bit of Syrah off quite early, and um, they're so-so. But we hung in there, and, and it was a really um, a good advertisement for organics, if you like, that um, our vineyard managed to hang in through the big rains we got in March, while a lot of conventional growers fell over. Yeah. And um, came out the other side of that big rain and got sort of six weeks of nice weather. So yeah. um, we ended up pulling in the Cabernet and the Syrahs um, reasonably late in the piece, but they look they look really good. They held so, on. Yeah, yeah, they look nice really nice. So. Um, I mean, last year was a difficult year as well, mm. but um, I think the Merlots last year were probably better than this year, but certainly the Cabernets and Syrahs this year. Are, are yeah, they um, kind of got that. And normally we get like a little bit of a rain scare in March, even in the, you know, we talk about 09 and 010 were great years. Every year I've been here, there seems to be that little scare mm. and, you know, everybody freaks out a little bit and then it settles. It was much later this year and we didn't have the heat all summer. Yeah. So it was a real tough dance all year. Um, but I finally did, you know, I have a bunch of people from overseas that I was sort of talking to, you know, and uh, working at other wineries. And I said, trust me, it's not like this every year. But uh, and then, but once we hit that point, and, you know, and that actually happened to be, the, like, for a lot of wineries, we were really busy during that time when it, we did get those four or six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, this is what Hawks Bay normally is you know you yeah, still yeah, exactly. will get some cool nights but you're getting up to 24 25 during the mm-hmm. day and um you just get that hang time which flavor development is is really really essential here and why i don't know the wines are special and yeah and so different than for instance napa where yeah where one thing that people i find struggle with who come over from likes california or even the young guy I had from chile this year they can't believe the the flavor profile of the wines at such low sugars mm. and to me though those are normal sugars you know they are dealing with high sugars yeah that's me. what i think <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah they can't believe that you can get ripeness and only be 13 percent alcohol yeah you know, and you're not 
putting the hose in the tank and yeah dumping a bunch of water in yeah yeah, exactly um yeah i don't know i think i told you when i because i really only learned winemaking in new zealand and i kind of grew up drinking a little more italian and french and certainly not the alcohols that are for some of the napa and even some of the sonoma stuff uh i started drinking a little of those in my late 20s but really didn't have that experience and certainly can't find any in new zealand so I hadn't drank any California wines in a while, yeah. and it was like three weeks to a month before I adjusted to even find the flavors. Yeah, yeah. From because you know we did like uh, vertical tastings and stuff at the winery I worked at, and it was a really good introduction to their brand. But I couldn't taste the wines. <laughs> like I'm sitting there with the winemaker, and she's asking me how I ping, and I'm like, "Well, it tastes pretty hot. It tastes you know a lot of alcohol. Uh, you know, trying to I'm supposed to have a good palate and be a winemaker and all this, but I'm like." Uh, but, you know, eventually you adjust, but uh, I still, you know, I find that tough, you know, especially with food and, yeah. you know. And they use a lot of new oak as well, which <laughs> is really. I, I, don't, I mean, I, me. it's, it's not something that I want to do, but I almost see some of them, why they do. They might as well just make them as ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the place I worked at, we used mostly like 30% new oak and stuff. So it was pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've all known some of those places that are 200, 200%. Yeah. They'll use like <laughs> one year in the new and then put them back into new, but it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so subtlety is not something, uh, no. but from what I understand there, uh, you know, there is supposedly a direction there that it's shifted a little bit. I guess Parker isn't doing, hmm. uh, California anymore. And, but I thought it was quite funny, uh, you know, in, so the past harvest I was there would have been the 2011 harvest and then the one before they said were similar and you know, it was a little cooler and you know they were saying you know there's a bit of a style change going on here there's still like 15% wines <laughs> and, <you know? laughs> we're still bringing in yeah. fruit at 27 28 and stuff like that and pH is like you know approaching four and you're just yeah. like what the heck but th- the point is that I didn't realize it's not they're doing that on purpose like I was doing a lot of vineyard sampling and they're just not ready they were oh, like totally. they were totally, totally sugar yeah, ripe yeah. and you know you're yeah. getting like i mean way beyond the sugars that we get in hawks bay even and you're tasting them and you're like this is fruits not ready to be picked and you're like yeah. what are we gonna do yeah. <laughs> you know? so um yeah i think it's it's cool to bring you know when other people come here and which is part of uh me doing this is you know there's a lot of interesting people that come through that have different perspective and Hopefully I'll do the same thing when I go to California and catch up with, because they, they do get some, some Europeans there and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. you know, and some people from uh, uh, Southern Hemisphere. So uh, I don't know, man. Look forward to talking to you again when we get back. Hopefully, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. There'll be some more uh, William Murdoch wines out there. Yeah, fingers crossed. Try. Fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully this podcast reaches couple people some big bucks that is curious and they order directly from you guys so there's uh i'll get the info from you and we'll post it up on uh, the website and everything that we post this on um but there's a website and everything yep yep murdochwines.co.nz and uh you can on there you can uh purchase and And there's a facebook page facebook page all that stuff Um, so so you check it out any questions uh for hayden on uh, william murdoch wines organics Bulgaria, Spain, <laughs> send me an email and I'll flick it to him at wineisfood at gmail.com. Earlier you were talking about 
uh, this is how I bring my uh, advertising full circle. Just tie it all in. <laughs> Earlier, you were talking about Leslie's Vineyard, um, which is uh, a mutual friend of ours, Bryce, who actually some of the Malbec from 2011 has come from for Decibel Wines. So mm-hmm. I always got to mention Decibel Wines as part of the, uh, <laughs> the little sponsor, you know, pays the bills for all this fancy equipment in this gorgeous studio you're in here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, at Decibel Dan on Twitter and, uh, decibelwines.com. We're actually putting some new stuff, uh, redoing the website a little bit for that. So look for that in the next few days and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot for doing this, man. And, no, no uh, worries. My like, pleasure. Like I said, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Cool.